This is RSA Radio, and I'm Rachel O'Brien. Hardly a day goes by without headlines reminding us of the huge challenges facing the UK's prison service. The system depends on having the right staffing and the right resources in place, but it also depends on prisoners being able to develop and sustain positive relationships. In this series, we explore some of the connections that have helped people to rebuild their lives. There needs to be sort of a mentor that can support them into what it's like to be within the workplace. And then there's the accommodation side so that they feel settled within that area. And then work placement with an employee that's willing to support through the process. But there's an agreement between both. The volunteering got me to that stage where I was able to go into that interview and demonstrate my skills rather than just my rap sheet. Gethin's early life, including time spent in care, and years spent going in and out of prison. Now in his 40s, he runs his own successful business. We talked to him about his journey and to Bruce, the first person to give Gethin a full-time job knowing his past. My name is Gethin Jones. I always kind of say that I was born into the system way before I actually went into the prison system. I went through the care system and I kind of created a way of behaving and acting due to my environment that caused me to get in a lot of conflict with the police. I had my first custodial sentence at the age of 14. That had quite a huge impact on me because it was a detention centre at the time, so it was very much around fear and intimidation. There was a real sense of violence within the air and if you did not comply, this was going to happen. I think I was about two weeks after my 14th birthday, so I was quite young when I went in there. That experience kind of really just made me completely disengage with society as a large. I just didn't want to kind of get involved with people, uh, didn't really want to kind of play the game, wasn't interested in education, had no interest in kind of going through getting in any kind of employment, just kind of decided I was just going to have a life of criminality. And then I got my second custodial sentence when I was 15, and that took me through to my 16th birthday. When I came out after my 16th birthday, uh, social services then kind of like just got rid of my care order and I was just kind of left on my own. I suppose at that point I realised, I didn't know that this is hindsight, that I was completely institutionalised. I just went through a long period between 16 and 21 of just continuously being in and out of young offenders or youth custody as it was back in them days. My criminal record's got everything on it. Got some violence on it. Been done for counterfeiting, burglary, taking and driving a day, taking without consent, possession with intent to supply, possession, you know, it's just a massive range. Going to adult prison was a little bit of a relief, if I'm honest with you, because the young offenders was uh, quite a brutal experience to kind of be within. The adult system it was far more relaxed. You know, I usually was doing at least two years behind the door, or uh, the last one, it was just under three years behind the door. So you kind of really got an opportunity to settle and create a bit of a social network as well. So, you know, I just kind of felt really comfortable. And I remember I was lying there with a cup of coffee, watching the football and thinking, I don't care if I don't ever get out. When I was 21, I was getting a three-year sentence. And I remember the judge, when he was doing his summing up, and he says to me, he went, Geffen Jones, he said, I see you as a professional criminal. He went, what I mean by that is you'll never be a bricklayer, you'll never be a plasterer, you'll always be a criminal. And I felt quite proud. <laughs> I had no real intention of wanting to get a job or anything like that. 
throughout my whole criminal history, I never used to think my life would be worth more than a bag of gear, a council estate or a prison cell. That was my lot. That last sentence was the first time I was really introduced to any kind of therapeutic program. Uh, drug addiction, but the drug addiction was just a symptom of everything else. Kind of quite glad that I did have that because I may not have been able to access the support that I really needed. When I was kind of going through that process, I was at Coldenly Prison and there was a fellow that came up and he'd done a talk. Didn't look anything like me, he looked quite professional. And then he started to talk about this life and this life was the life that I was leading. And then he was talking about that he was able to change his ways. And then he talked about that he had a flat on the King's Road, he had a car, he had a motorbike, he goes on holiday every year, he had a job, a family. And I just remember sort of like my jaw was just open because I just didn't believe anything like that was possible for people like me. So I didn't have a real desire to go out and get a job. I just kind of had a little bit of hope that actually there could be something else, but I didn't know what it looked like or how to get it. My name's Bruce and a qualified social worker by trade. I got my current job in 2006. One of the roles was managing a number of services, one of which was working with young people who were at risk of offending. The structure there was having management, two seniors, and then key workers. And we had a vacancy for a senior, of which we had two or three internal applications. And we also interviewed one external application, which all I got verbally was, do you know Gethin? We'll let you make your own judgment. So this cheeky chappy walked into the room and you could tell by the application a very open and honest application. There was no hiding any offending history. Very open and honest. But I get lots of that. And it wasn't used as in, uh, I've been there so I can do it. It was used to explain and justify where he was at rather than I understand. It was about demonstrating his skills. So it was used much more um, appropriately rather than, because of my history, you have to give it to me because I can relate to people. It was more about, yes, I've got this history, but actually this is how I've developed, this is how I use the history, this is what I found hasn't worked, this is what I found has worked. And um, Gethin got the job. And I suppose the decision was around the, the skills that Gethin demonstrated with the natural skills you needed to do the work. There was very little evidence he could do the job, but teaching the job role was the easy bit. It's about having the natural ability to do that. Many people have natural qualities and the ones who don't, you struggle to teach them. It's about being able to communicate well, be open and honest, not be afraid to have a difficult conversation. People want respect and also about managing conflict. If someone's criticizing you, if someone's challenging you, if someone's playing games with you, do you have the skills to stand back and manage that process? If you go back to what it looked like, you've decided you've got a bigger picture, if you like. How easy was that to then move on from your last custodial sentence yeah. into employment? I finished that last sentence in 2003. Went into sort of like a second stage of my rehabilitation. I kind of knew that I was worth more than prison. I didn't want to go back to prison. But I was also very institutionalised. I didn't really look for drugs when I was in prison because I had nothing to run away from. When I came out in the community, I really, really struggled. 
I got caught with a 10 bag, 0.1 of a gram, and I got remanded for that just because of the record I have. Uh, but luckily I got what was uh, called the DTTO, which was a drug treatment and testing order. Um, and, and that kind of gave me an extra level of funding, which kind of supported me through uh, the next stage of my rehabilitation. When I kind of went through that process, I was forced into services because of the requirements of the order. It got me to a point of where I sort of started to trust in what the system was giving me. And when the drug treatment test order finished, I continued to go voluntarily. And it was at that point that I kind of really realised that I was going to make the fundamental changes. So the drug use has kind of stopped. There was a programme there called Branching Out, which was about porting people back into the workplace. And at that point, I had no idea of what it was that I wanted to do. And I also had no qualifications and no work experience. Uh, I sat down with this lady called Emma Bushell. We just had about uh, an hour and a half chat and she also got me to do a, a skills test which kind of came out that I had a really good interpersonal skills which I didn't kind of know and then we kind of discussed things about what I might like. When I look back when I was a kid I used to like sailing. She knew this charity where I could do some volunteering and they'd done fiberglass making plus taking young people sailing. I went there uh, and actually the bloke that was running it was also a staff member that looked after me in secure units when I was a kid called Tony Weeks, which was quite funny because he knew me at my kind of worst as well. And he was somebody else that sort of said, actually, Giff, I'm willing to give you an opportunity. I had real anxieties within the workplace because I did not know how to talk, communicate or interact. Uh, and I started off just doing two hours a week volunteering. Uh, and I'd done that. Uh, and then over a process of about eight to nine months, I went from two hours a week to a volunteering five days a week and started to really kind of get my confidence up in what it was I was doing. Uh, and I remember getting some really good feedback from the young people. I remember this girl saying to me on the boat, she went, I really like it when you're on the boat, she said, because you can have a laugh and a joke with us, but when stuff needs to be done, you kind of go into the serious side of it, which was a real good affirmation for me that said, actually, I've got skills here. Um, and it was at that point that I realised, you know, I need to let go of the sick book now. Yeah, and I need to look to go for some work. Uh, so there's a young person's hostel called the Ports of Foyer, uh, and they was advertising for some bank stuff. Uh, and I went there, the same sort of stuff that I'd done with Bruce. I was just completely honest about my past. I just wanted an opportunity. Uh, the lady there, Cecile Todd, she also gave me the opportunity. And I went in there as a, a bank worker. Within six months, I got a full-time job. And within 18 months, I became a team leader because it was evidence as well that I had really good communication skills in the same way that I could develop young people. I could also develop staff. I could teach staff how also to better engage with the young people that they were kind of working with. At that point, that sort of like I knew that my future would be better off within local authority, but I also knew there was going to be a big difficulty in getting in there because I've got 56 offences with 18 convictions, you know, with a massive range including uh, uh, conspiracy to supply Class A and blah blah blah. So uh, it was at that point that I kind of applied and I was lucky enough to have Bruce on the panel. We had offered by then the police check as it was called then, you know, it went on and on and on. So we know it's a risk. When I met Gethin he had started the journey already so I take no credit for that. However, what I'm very aware of, it's still a risk because there's always a risk of relapse. There's always a risk of if you're hit with a brick wall, how will Gethin react to that and manage negative feedback? And also how would he manage within boundaries of working for a local authority?
there are rules and regulations that we have to abide by, which restrict some things we can do. So yes, we know it's a risk, but actually it's a risk you take. I suppose the situation is I didn't have to do a great deal because of where Gethin was at. He was lapping up the opportunities. Do you remember your first day at work? Yeah, I got snowed off. <laughs> Two people turned up and it was both their first day of work. Yeah. <laughs> I was in, everyone else miraculously couldn't get in because they snowed, even though they live around the corner. <laughs> I walked past some of their houses to get in. <laughs> Uh, and the only two who turned up was Gethin and one other. It was their first day of work. Yeah. It, it was funny as well because it, it was a really weird experience for me as well because the local authority was my corporate parent as a child. We had social work departments within there and there was a couple of social workers that used to look after me as a child. Also, I'd had uh, my daughter adopted towards the end of uh, my drug using and the social worker that went through the adoption process was still working there and I was also still engaged with the adoption teams in relation to doing my yearly contact letter. I had a real funny sense of a feeling that sort of like there was part of me that didn't feel that I should be there. Bruce was sort of like up here, he's kind of like the top of the chain. So I suppose it's a little bit like in prisons, you know, when you've kind of got like me and then you've got the prison officer and then you've got the SO, the senior officer, and then the principal officer, and then you've got the governors. So Bruce was up there with the governors, yeah. So I kind of always just felt a little bit sheepish when I kind of saw Bruce, oh, Bruce like that. But he was always just kind of quite down to earth with me uh, and he didn't line manage me directly. A lady called Kelly did and, and Bruce kind of managed Kelly. But Bruce always used to kind of give me uh, lots of compliments and tasks. And we used Gethin because his peers as seniors had come up through the ranks and were wanting to do that role for more money and a bit of ethos and everything, but didn't want to let go of the job they came into. So they were still resistant to that semi-managerial supervisionary role. Um, so actually we used Gethin, who didn't have that history of connectivity with the other staff. And there was a bit of, uh, not friction, but we had Gethin who was performing above and beyond the others because he didn't have the baggage and the other aspects. And it wasn't just about going out and seeing young people. It was about how do we drive and deliver improvement as well. So we did use him to our advantage to raise the game of others. What were the things that could have prepared you for the job that could have been done possibly inside, possibly earlier? I remember when I was at the foyer, I remember we was in a team meeting and then Cecile started talking about uh, desktops and she said, look, so people need to keep their desktops tidy. There's too much stuff being installed on desktops. And I'm like... My desk is always quite tidy. I don't know what it is. And then I kind of got the gist that they was talking about something else. But I think what I did have was I didn't have a problem with asking questions. So I put my little hand up like that. And she went, what's it given? I said, what's a desktop? <laughs> and it was just kind of basic stuff like that that I really didn't kind of know, you know. And it was like the database system, paperwork, uh, understanding what Sections 47 of the Children's Act is, what the difference between Section 17 is. Uh, it was all of these other things that I really didn't know, which uh, probably have helped. But they're the stuff that you learn as you're doing it. But it was just them basic skills that everybody takes for granted, doing a Word doc and spell check. Justify for all of that sort of stuff, do you know what I mean? That I just had to kind of learn as I was going, blag my way through. <laughs> but Bruce said everyone blags. Both of you, what have you learned from each other, but also from that experience that you've then gone on to use, maybe employing other people or in other areas of work? Bruce employed other people before me that had backgrounds. 
I can remember Bruce giving me quite a compliment because he kind of supported me. So I progressed. And Bruce saying to me one day, I see within five years we'll be going for the same job. I always remember that comment because that was a real kind of compliment to myself. A lot of my management style comes from Bruce. And what he does is he treats everybody as an individual. And what he's always said to me is that he trusts everybody. So whenever he takes somebody on, he'll trust them until they breach that trust. So I've kind of always used that. And then he also explained to me about how he interviews and takes on people. And the same sort of stuff that what, what he talks about is he looks more about the personal skills. So whenever I was interviewing people, I'd be looking at what is it that they can naturally do. And then the other part is about sort of like investigating whether they can be developed so they got the ability to be taught and then once you've kind of got the two then it's kind of quite easy to work with that person. Bruce and my line managers always knew about my record but I didn't openly share that with my peers or the the rest of the, the teams and I think that was quite useful as well because I'd also wouldn't want to employ somebody that puts that first because actually it's not just about that. That's just real experience. Gethin didn't get the job because of his history. I manage domestic abuse services now as one of my portfolios. I get applications from people saying, I've been a victim, I know what it's like. They don't even get close to interviews. The history isn't what got him the job. It's the ability to do the job he was applying for. I hate power and control within the workplace. Armed services, the police force, which is all hierarchical. But what I'm very aware of is people have to learn how to play the system. And I don't mean that about getting one over. It's about managing and achieving what you want. And we all do that. But it's about doing it in a win-win. And Gethin found that in the prison service, in the community. What Gethin's real strength of, and one thing that came out of his interview is, what is best for our client group? Who is our customer and what are we here to achieve? All I had to do was explain the parameters of being able to achieve that. I'm kind of now an effective leader. I've got a leadership and management qualification and I coach and support leaders and managers in lots of different fields. I do it with building companies, charities, local authorities, kind of whatever it is, so to speak. If I kind of look back at my past, I was always a leader. I just used to lead people in the wrong direction. You know, they're all saying, you're not going to play with little Johnny because you're leading them astray. So that was a natural skill and ability that I had. But if somebody was able to recognise it, could have enhanced it in a better way. And in relation to what Bruce was saying about playing the system, uh, when I was in prison, I always relate myself to uh, Fletcher because I was like the Fletcher character. So I, I never got into big, massive scraps or violence or anything like that. And I was able to have a good relationship with the staff and the prison officers where I could get all of my needs met whilst also maintaining credibility within the prison system and be able to engage with the most violent prisoners within there. And there'd be no fear from both that kind of demonstrated as well that I had really good communication, uh, mediation, all that sort of stuff. It was them sort of soft skills that nobody identified. I'd just be interested in your view on the, the prison system about what kinds of things might make that journey a bit easier. How do you find that capability and identify it and support it before you're back in your three years outside. Trust. It all comes down to trust. Stuart was my named officer within the Chevrolet unit. I created a personal relationship with him. There was a time I had no credit left to be able to get a hold of my partner and all the credit I'd used, it just kept going through to the answer phone. 
I became uh, very distressed because when you're in there, if you can't get with your partner, you think the worst is going on, blah, blah, blah. He recognised that I wasn't myself and he asked me what was wrong and I said, I can't get hold of my partner, blah, blah, blah. He said, do you want to use the office phone? I said, yeah, I'd love to. So I went and used the office phone, tried to get through my partner, I couldn't get through. And then he said to me, he went, look, Giff, and he said, I'm not in tomorrow, but what I'll do is I'll ring the unit up and I'll ask another officer to let you use the phone. The next day, another prison officer came, unlocked me, he said, Stuart's rung up, said you might need to use the phone. I went to use the phone, I got hold of my partner, it turned out that the rabbit had got out of the hutch, chewed through the wire, hence why it was ringing at my end. And what that kind of done was that kind of installed a bit of a trusting relationship, which meant that sort of like I started to listen and hear what he was saying. Yeah, because he would be saying things like to me, lots of people had in the past that saying, you've got a level of intelligence, Gavin, you could do so much more, there's better things that you could do with your life, and, I, and I'd listen to it. So what I'd say within the prison system where it kind of goes wrong at the moment is there's not enough opportunities for them relationships to build because it's too many prisoners per staff. If I look at the Chevrolet unit, it was in the prison, but it was a smaller unit. So there was like 15 inmates on the unit, but there'd be something like seven or eight staff. So it, there was a real interaction. What I'd first reinforce is, is when you talk about trust, actually that's two ways. And why should someone who's grown up in the prison system trust you as an employer? Because they've grown up in a, an environment of power control and rules, which sometimes don't make sense. And too often in institutions, the people who are professionals abuse and misuse their power, which creates the conflict and the negativity. So the first thing I'll say as an employer, actually, why should they entrust you? Are you after cheap labor? Do you really trust them? You know, what's the motivation for you? You just want to look good. You don't really care about me. It's just you and your, you know, your own ego to say, aren't I a wonderful person? You have to do it with genuine desire and empathy to make a difference. The risk for employing Gethin and others, actually, you know, I've employed people who are no longer employed. They haven't got a history of criminality. They haven't got a history of substance misuse or, you know, problems with the care system. But they haven't done the job they've meant to do. So don't label people just because of the history you hear about. And throughout my life as a children's worker in residential, and I've worked in the offending field as well, too often people label everyone together rather than developing the strengths as individuals. And I think as well, as, as somebody that started to take on people within public sector as well, is you've also got the processes and systems in place as well. So you've always got the six-month probation period. And I always used to say it to new staff as well, is the probation period isn't just about us finding out whether you've got the skills to work for us. It's also about you working out whether you want to work for us. You know, it's a, it's a two-way thing. And, and that's why I say, again, Gethin got the job because he was the best person who we interviewed. And as an employer, I'm not there to exhibit pity or sympathy or anything like that. Gethin had a job to do. I'm not going to patronise him saying, aren't I good looking at your background? I've rescued you, aren't I wonderful? He had a job he had to do in the same parameters as his peers. And I expected him to do that. There was no expectation because of his history, I'll be lenient here or, you know, be more favourable here because I, I find that, you know, that's patronising. For Gethin or similar, that's about, well, hold on. Why are you lowering your expectations for me? Are you saying I'm not good enough to be up here? You know, I can either do it or I can't do it.
uh, we've become friends now. So I always say to Bruce, uh, he's my posh mate and I'm his bit of rough. <laughs> but it's kind of really funny how the, the, the relationships kind of uh, developed as well. Because like I say, at the beginning, I kind of put Bruce right up at this pedestal. But I can remember when I started to manage his service and we went to see the young person substance misuse service open switch. And I remember going over there and Bruce going, oh, I hate these places. I went, why is that? He goes, it's just people caught up in their titles. He went, don't get caught up in people's titles because they're just people at the end of the day. And that was kind of one of the things that kind of broke down the barrier which I kind of had with you because I thought, oh, he's, he's just Bruce. And we started to create a bit of a friendship then. Because I left Port City Council last year, um, I think our friendships developed further since then, isn't it? That's another story altogether. <laughs> you can give little tidbits of it. Well, we go to Fratton Park together and things like that, yeah. yeah. That's what I can see my journey was. So if I can't say about being institutionalised, is I was dependent on everything and everyone, including substances. And my whole process is becoming independent. And last year of leaving Port City Council was that final step, because I'm completely uh, independent now. No, you're not. I'm not. Well, why are we still friends? You think you're, ah. you think you're <laughs> What I mean is I kind of ask for support and get support as I need it, but I can make my own independent choices and decisions on what's next. I remember with Cecile, and she was a really good manager, when I was in the foyer, I was very emotional at that time. I had an argument with my partner. I was absolutely crucified, and I was ringing her out and I'm going, Cecile, I really can't come in today, yeah, because I was just overrun with all of this kind of emotion and everything. And she kind of understood it, and she said, that's okay, I'll just take today off and come in tomorrow, and then we'll have a chat, and then I'll go in the next day, and then I'll kind of have a chat with her, and then I'll be able to kind of like carry on with the work. It wasn't just the, the working side of it, it was everything else. When people like have spent many, many years in prison and everything else like that, you know, it's, it's the emotional understanding of themselves as well. Do you know, that that's a whole other process that people don't get. And that's what bugs me about the reform agenda sometimes when they say, we've just got to get them jobs. You just don't get it so much more than that. There needs to be a free prompt. So there needs to be sort of a mentor that can support them into what it's like to be within the workplace. And then there's the accommodation side, so they feel settled within that area. And then some kind of work placement with an employee that's willing to support through the process. But there's an agreement between both. That's kind of what I had when I kind of go back to the volunteering that got me to that stage where I was able to go into that interview and demonstrate my skills rather than just my rap sheet.